Hey everybody, we are back with a new episode of Working It Out. Uh, thanks, just a quick thank you to everybody for picking up the paperback of my book, the new one, uh, and writing these nice user reviews around the internet, uh, as well as uh, all the listeners of Working It Out. We, we've, uh, we've gotten so much great feedback and, and people have written really nice notes to Working It Out Pod at Gmail. Dot com. Uh, we have another amazing guest today. This is a woman who I've been friends with and I've admired her comedy for many years. Uh, she's a New York Times bestselling author. Her first book was called You Can't Touch My Hair. Her second book was called Everything's Trash, But It's Okay. Her third book, which, which just came out, is called Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. She is a podcaster. Uh, she had a, a show called Two Dope Queens that became an HBO series. She had a podcast called So Many White Guys that I was on as a token white guy. Um, and uh, and she has a new HBO stand-up comedy special coming out this fall. Uh, I had a blast talking with her, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with the great Phoebe Robinson. One of the things I love about the book is um, you say a confession. Um, <laughs> you say at the outset, you're like, 2020 is going to be my year. <laughs> and when I read that, I laughed so hard because I was like, that's what I thought, which is, which is, which is, peak, which is peak confessional comedy when someone admits something yeah. to you and you go, oh, my God, that's exact. I didn't even realize I thought it was going to be my year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember, like, my boyfriend, British Bake Off, he was coming off of touring, and we were just like, oh, we're going to finally be together in Brooklyn. I'm like, we're going to go on vacations. We're going to, like, like bop around the city, like, all this stuff. And then 2020 was like, bitch, you are going to be inside. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, like, this apartment's nice, but, like— it's like <laughs> <laughs> not nice enough for the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And like we got this place in 2018. We we're both like touring a lot. So we're like, oh, we don't really need that much space because like we're not really going to be here. Yeah. So we were like, we'll get this cute apartment. And then like COVID happened and it was like, oh, my God, we're going to be in here. There's no there's no balcony. There's yeah. no outdoor space. And like. This apartment's beautiful and great, but it's like you can hear what the other person is doing at all times. Like literally every shit. I yes. heard every single one of his shits. He heard every single one of my shits. Like it was just like no, no privacy. That is a special level of intimacy. Yeah, you're just yeah, like, yeah. cool, cool. You're just like slowly turning up the volume on the TV. <laughs> and then... My boyfriend got COVID and he oh, was wow. like really sick for three weeks. And like I had to cancel stuff because I was exposed to him. And I like, I Whoa. didn't get it. Um, and people are always like, how did you not get it? And maybe, you know, this makes me not a great person. But one day he was like, oh, I don't know. I feel like kind of warm and like my, I have a tickle in my throat. And I was like, peace out, bitch. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> And I just went, I was like, I'm going to live in the living room because I don't know what's going on. He's like, no, I think I'm okay. And I'm like, I'm going to see you later. Wow. I was going to ask you to read. Okay, we have, oh, the, yeah. we have the same copy of your book. So I was going to ask you to read on page 
16. It's sort of like okay. a, 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 it's sort of a, a dramatic passage, but it is, I, just, I just thought it was a very beautiful piece of writing starting at uh, that paragraph that says starting over. Okay, cute. Thanks, Mike. I'm okay. gonna very. I'm gonna be very. I'm gonna. That this is my most Terry Gross I've ever been. <laughs> I've never asked anyone to read a passage on the show, but I was like, I was like, I get why Terry asks authors to do that now because it's otherwise it's me paraphrasing it. And what's the point of yeah. that? Okay, <clears throat> starting over and being vulnerable in a world that is nothing like what you had constructed for yourself was scary, frustrating, and heartbreaking. Beginning again can feel like yet another tiny death of who you are and what you knew. And the older I get, it seems that adulthood is nothing but those tiny little deaths. Just reminders that all the things and people and even our self-identities that we hold dear are fragile. And perhaps by us spending so much time trying to forget that fragility, we are also forgetting that it's what makes them and us special and worth living for. So beautiful. I mean, am I a writer? I think I'm a writer. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's like I, I think with the thing that I admire most about the book and in all your writing, you've this is your third darn book. I, I remember running into you a few years ago, and I was like, "What are you enjoying doing the most?" And you said, "I love writing these books." Yeah, <laughs> it's so true. I when I'm reading this, I'm going like, "Okay, you're so prolific." Are you journaling every day? Like, how are you How are you putting out this much writing? Yeah, I don't journal at all. I, I've tried to journal, I think, a few times in my life. And, like, by the third day, I'm like, this is boring. Like, <laughs> I lived it. I don't, I don't need to record this for history. Um, and so, like, I remember when I did... My first time doing Conan, which was like maybe like 2017 or whatever, and my parents flew out to LA because they were really excited. It was like so cute, so cute. So sweet. They hate, they hate everything. They don't want to go anywhere. So I was oh. like, the fact they got on a plane. It cl- like, in, cl- in Cleveland. Did they? Do, yeah, they in do, Cleveland. They do they CLE, CLE to LAX. <laughs> I know the airport codes. Phoebe, if there's one thing I've learned in this business, it's goddamn airport codes. <laughs> yeah, so they left Cleveland. They came to L.A. They, of course, hated everything about L.A. And I was like, okay, that's what I expected. And I remember, like, after taping, I was like, this was so fun. And I was like, this is the night that I'm going to start journaling again. And as I was writing about, like, being on Conan, I was like, no one cares about this. Yeah. Who cares that I was on Conan? So I just stopped halfway through the entry. I was like, I don't even need to finish this. Yeah. Yeah. I do, <laughs> I write my journal because otherwise I forget. I forget it all. Mm-hmm. It, it's my I way. I forget a lot of stuff. I forget a lot of stuff. And then the other thing is yeah. that if I'm angry or if I'm upset about something, if I write it down, by the end of the jur- the entry I go, oh, I'm being a little bit irrational here. Oh, I just... Find a friend to complain to for like a full hour. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't journal. Like everything is like just book writing stuff. And like, I don't know, I love it. I think I love it because all of it's hard. Like stand-up is so hard, especially when you're like trying to like, you know a joke is good, but you know the writing is just off just a little bit. Yeah. And that's why the audience isn't laughing at something. You're like, but I know this is fucking funny. So that's like its own difficulty. But what I like about books and book writing in general is that like, 
as much as I'm like, you know, upbeat and bouncy and, and performing stuff, I'm really kind of like a quiet person and a little antisocial. So I really like being able to write. You call and not you, have just, to talk. you describe it in the book to be clear as antisocial. Yeah. Antisocial. Yeah, I'm antisocial. <laughs> <laughs> and it just allows me to sort of block everyone out and just kind of, you know, vomit on the page yeah. and then sort of like clean it up and figure it out. And so it feels like this super fun puzzle. And every book, there's always a moment where I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm so like with this book, I was like, what if I don't write it? Yeah. I was like, am I saucy? What if I don't write it? And I won't give back the money. What are they going to do? Yeah, you know? then, and it's then like, what are they going to do? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. Like, it, it, I thought one of the things that was really cool that you're doing is you you not only wrote all these books, you started your own imprint. And so you're, it's like, what does it take? Because I started, you know, I produced Jacqueline Novak's show and, and I'm producing a couple other stage shows. Like, what's Ooh. the what's the point at which you start you're a creative, and then what's the point at which you just decide, I'm going to champion other creatives and just sort of try to sort of boost them too? Like, what what was the inspiration for that? Yeah, I mean, I think I always, when I met my lit agent in 2014, I always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to have an imprint. I didn't really know what that meant. I was just like, I love books. I think an imprint would be cool. Wow. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, after these couple of books and like, I remember with the first book, Robert, my agent, when he and I were shopping it around, literally every, um, imprint except for Plume who published it said no. Cause, and this was 2015. They were like, nobody wants to read books by, written by like a funny black comedian. Wow. Like my stuff won't like translate, people won't connect with it. These kind of books don't sell if they're written by a black woman, like all this crazy shit. And I was just sort of like, this is 2015 and people are saying someone won't write read a book if it's written by a black person. I was like, that's insane. So that's I think that definitely, yeah, it's so crazy. Um, and of course you recorded crazy. it on yeah. your iPhone and you're, yeah. you're releasing the audio this year. <laughs> 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 You're like, you don't mind if I record this, right? Is that is that cool? <laughs> They're like, no one wants to read black humor writers. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna, I'm like, okay. just gonna, just gonna, just gonna press record here, and we got that. <laughs> That's crazy. I no, should have done it. Yeah, it, it really that it's so crazy how common of a story that is. I was talking to Jason Reynolds, who's an incredible black yeah. YA writer and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he just said like when he started they were like you know they don't want black protagonists in YA novels like they just straight up don't yeah. want them and then he was like well that's what I'm writing and then like eventually yeah. the, it caught up the 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 yeah. world caught up to him and yeah. it's like that's what happened with you and your humor imprint which is the world has caught up to your vision of yourself in 2015. Exactly. And I remember when when Roxanne Gay broke huge with Bad Feminist, and then, you know, you hear people go, well, there's there's Roxanne Gay, so, like, we don't, like, we don't need any other books written by black women right. because there's Roxanne. We got that and one. Like, we got the one. Yeah, and I was like, well, there's, like, tons of different experiences and perspectives, so I think, like, with the imprint, like, we have, uh, including my book, 10 books on the slate, and all wow. the other books are by 
debut authors. It's amazing. Come out, um, which is amazing. Like, next year in 2023 is when they're all going to come out. Um, and for me, I was just like, I don't ever want, like, a newbie author to feel the way I felt when it was just like everyone, like no one was giving me a chance truly just because I was black. And I was like, I want to at least be a place where like if they come and like pitch their book to me or submit it and like we don't end up publishing it, it's not because they're Asian or Indian. It's like literally just like, oh, your voice doesn't match with mine, but your your writing is incredible. And so really, I feel like I'm very protective about these authors and I want people to have a good first experience in publishing because publishing is just like hard to break into in general, you know? Oh yeah. But I feel really excited and I hope that my imprint does some good. And like, that's like, you know, I'm trying to keep it small and it's curated. And I'm not going to be like releasing, you know, 50 books a year. I think it's, um, what is it? Three to five a year. So I'm like, I could do my little bit and then someone else will do their little bit. And then together, hopefully things will sort of change a little bit. Stepping away from my conversation with Phoebe Robinson to send a shout out to our friends at Helix Mattresses. I'm thrilled to have the support of Helix Mattresses. In 2021, I've been sleeping on mine for the past year. It's been amazing. Uh, it's uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's the it's the best, most comfortable mattress I've ever slept on. Uh, at the Mike Birbiglia Annual Sleep Awards. <laughs> maybe we'll start, maybe we'll, it's a joke, but maybe we'll start having those. Uh, you can go to helixsleep.com slash take their two-minute sleep quiz, and they'll match you with a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Uh, right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash A bunch of people have told me They've taken my recommendation and they love it. So that's uh, that's that's advertising that where everyone wins. Helix is offering up to two hundred dollars off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com/slash/burbigs. And now back to the show. And of course, you had so many white guys. The podcast where I was. I, it was mm-hmm. it was mostly non-white guys, but there was I think one one per season a token white guy, which yeah. I was. I I want to I want to know. I'm honored to be the token white guy. The uh, it was I think I was one season. I think Tom Hanks was one season. Yeah, and then Chris Hayes was one season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's an that's so a, that's a, that's a good group. What what yeah. makes me white enough to be the token white guy? <laughs> I don't know. It's your everything, maybe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was pointed. That was pointed. (laughs) I found that pointed. And also, what? I was so nervous to interview you. Do you remember that? I was so nervous. I was so nervous because I was just like, Mike is so funny. And like, when I started doing stand up, like, I was like watching like your stuff. Like, so it was like, for me, I was like, oh my God, like, hope I don't like fuck this up. And oh my gosh. Yeah, so I was like really nervous. Yeah. I loved that interview. That that was the beginning of of a friendship that's that's spanned many years now. Like, a few years Mm -hmm. ago, we did a stand up and vote. Uh, tour where we did a couple colleges where we encouraged young people to vote 
Uh, and we're going to probably continue doing that in 22 and for the yeah. rest of time because you know yeah. who votes a lot is old white men. They vote like crazy. <laughs> but you know who doesn't vote is young people. Um, and that's a concern. Uh, but yeah. we, we did Hamilton College. And then do you remember the bus broke down on the way home? Oh, it did. And we were just like. It was you and okay. me on the side of a highway. <laughs> Literally, because it was you, me, and Gary Goldman, Melissa Villasenor, but they had to yes. go to other gigs, and we were the only people on the bus home. And we were on the New Jersey, New Jersey Turnpike, no joke. And this is helpful for the listeners if you're ever in this situation. We called an Uber to a highway. <laughs> we just put in the coordinates. We put in the coordinates. The Uber driver was so confused. He kept cir- <laughs> kept circling. He's like, where are you? We're like, no, no, we're on the highway. We're literally on the highway. Oh, my God. I forgot that until just right now. And I'm like, that's wild that we were like, just come pick us up on the highway. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and by the way, that tour bus, because usually when I, I tour, we get a tour bus from like Nashville or like one of these hubs where there's like country music and a ton of touring acts. Mm-hmm. That one was like a one-off date. So we got a tour bus from Staten Island, and I'm not kidding. It was like a party bus with like a stripper pole and stuff. And it yes, was like completely was not the pole. right, it was not the right bus. <laughs> and of course, we all like stripped. All of- we all stripped just out of respect <laughs> for the bus. <laughs> We all stripped for one another. I mean, you got to take your clothes off. You have to take it. That was the only way you were getting on that bus. Including the bus driver. Yeah. We each took turns. That was so fun. It was great. That was so fun. Oh, this is the thing I was, was going to ask you because there's so okay. much. You, 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 you emanate so much positivity in your book and your stand-up. Uh, it's like, where does it come from? And then... And then when do you hit a wall? And then how do you come back from hitting the wall? Oh, I hit so many walls. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I feel like I'm a very, as I learned, I started going to therapy last year um, because I was like not able to handle the stress of like COVID and like trying to keep my business together and then reach a breaking point. Like I would just be like crying all the time if like stuff wasn't working out and, and, you know, telling my boyfriend about like, oh, this job is going away. This thing is getting postponed. Like, where's money coming in? Blah, blah, blah. And then like I reached my breaking point because I was like, it was like early one morning I was working on something and I was so stressed out that I went over to the kitchen garbage can, vomited. Oh my gosh. And then went straight back to work. Oh I my was gosh, just like, no. and I was like, yeah, I was like, I don't want to wake, I don't want to wake, my boyfriend's name is Luke. I was like, I don't want to wake Luke up, so I'm going to vomit super quietly. Oh, my god! So I just threw up, and then I was like, at my computer being like, nang, 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 oh, nang, nang, nang. and I was like, that's insane. That's so insane. That didn't even take a second. I was wow. so stressed out. And so I think, like, as much as I'm, like, bubbly, I think I also have, like, like, my therapist told me, she was like, you're emotion-minded. And it doesn't mean that I don't think things through or that I'm not analytical. But it's just, like, when something happens, like, the emotion that I feel is the first thing that happens before I can start to sort of, like, think things through. Like, if I'm mad, I'm just like, fuck this, is the first thing that's in my yeah. head. And then my brain catches up with me to be like, okay, maybe don't fuck this. Sort of right. like you could do blah, blah, blah. <laughs> maybe and don't so- fuck this. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it's still allowing for the possibility of fuck this, but it's not saying 100% fuck this. <laughs> so I think when I hit walls, um, we're like, and you know, especially in this business, like, so many times, like you, like the best part of anything is when you make that announcement about something where yeah. it's like, I sold a script or my pilot's getting greenlit. Sure. That's like the best part of everything. And then as like projects fall apart, as they tend to do, then you're just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I fucking announced this thing. People are going to be asking, where is it? And the thing is like, no one cares. Everyone's yeah. announcing stuff all the time. No one cares about your announcements. But it feels like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I shouldn't have said anything. I'm letting people down. And so I definitely have those moments where I truly beat myself up. But I always try to be like, pull myself out of it. Because I'm just like, you know what? No matter how crappy a situation is, no matter what role I don't get or what thing gets canceled... It's like, at the end of the day, I just have to bet on myself. So yeah. I always remembered that, like, me betting on myself 13 years ago when I started doing comedy has paid yeah. off. And so it's going to continue to pay off. But some days it's, like, it's tough because it's, like, when you're running a business, it's, like, you also have to, like, compartmentalize. And you can't be, like, I'm sad because your employees are, like, <laughs> yeah. what? Like, we're looking at you to be in charge. So I can't be, like, yeah. this you know no I think you're right I think you're right yeah. I mean it's like uh, Joe and I my brother Joe and I were sort of marveling about this with uh, with your career today where you go like y- you're writing books you have your own imprint you're coming out with a stand-up special it's like you're doing all these things it's like when you wake up in the morning what's what's Phoebe uh part one what's the first thing you think you got to work on mm. and how do you decide so- how do you decide what to work on first thing so when I wake up in the morning, I've been trying to do this thing where I, like, ease into the day with, like, some smooth jazz. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the answer I was looking for. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Stepping away from my conversation with Phoebe Robinson to send a shout-out to Bomba Socks. So Bomba Socks, I got interested in because I heard an ad on a podcast, not unlike this one, uh, for Bomba Socks, because for every pair of socks they sell you, they give a free pair to someone in need of socks. So I talked to the guys about it who started the company. Basically, they asked uh, homeless shelters, nonprofits, what people were in need of, And they said the number one item was socks. And so they built backwards this company that has this charitable uh, cause, the giveaway. They've donated over 45 million pairs of socks so far. And honestly, they're the most comfortable socks I've ever worn. They're the only socks I wear. Go to bombas.com slash burbigs today. Get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash burbigs for 20% off. And now, back to the show. All right, this is this thing we do on the show called the slow round. Do you have a memory from childhood? I know you, you grew up in Ohio. Do you have a memory where it's not even a story? It's not something that you'd make even, even into a book, but it's sometimes like on, on a loop in your head and you just think about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, gosh, I remember this was middle school, so I was maybe like, 12 
And I wouldn't say that my parents are conservative, but they're just very much like follow the like they just like follow the rules. Like okay. just that's all you have to do for the love of God, just follow the fucking yeah. rules. And I, you know, I wanted to like I wanted a crop top, right? And okay. So my mom was like, no. And I was like, but I really want one. And I was like, I'll layer it. Like, I'll wear it, like, over, like, a long shirt so you don't really see anything. She's like, no. And then she finally relented. <laughs> and I think we went to, like, Dillard's or whatever the fuck and, like, sure. got a, a, got me a crop top. And she was like, okay, but you can't wear it at school. And I was like, okay, sure. And so I think, like, a couple of weeks later, I was, like, trying to run out the door. And I was, like, an idiot because I, like— put the crop top on and like, okay, I'm going to go to school. It's like, why didn't I just like cover up? And so she was like, you can't wear that to school. Go back up and change. And I was like, fine. And then I go back up and I'm like, I'm going to show her. I'm just going to put it in my book bag and then change at school. Right. And so I think there was like a big assembly that afternoon. And I think it was like some sort of like, everyone gets to like the, like all the classes, like get to like perform or do like whatever kind of like dumb stuff. And so she waited until <laughs> 15 minutes before that started. And then, like, someone from the principal's office was, like, came to, like, my classroom, knocked on the door, and was like, Phoebe, your mom is here. And I was like, what? Wow. Your mom is here to take you home in front of wow. everyone. I was like, no. And I had, like, my little crop top on. I was like, like and she totally she was on to you yeah she's good petty she's very smart yeah yeah it's great <laughs> do you do you remember uh like a particularly like, strange neighbor or family friend growing up so my parents um are very sort of like they're wonderful people so loving so giving but they like truly did not come from like the best sort of like families so like I want to say when I was born, so my dad was 24 and my mom was 28. They like, like shortly after I was born, they like kind of cut everyone in their family out. Oh, interesting. So it's like, which I think is for the best. It was just like not good environments for them to be around. And they just were like very toxic people, a lot of the folks in their family. So it's like, I don't have like, like I was, I remember when I was a kid, and I used to watch like Family Feud, and you had like five people on, and I'd be sad because I'd be like, "It's just my parents and my brother." I'm like, "We couldn't do Family Feud because I'm like, I don't know a fifth Robinson or whatever." Yeah. The fuck. Um. So I don't really have like any weird like family friend or member. You had you had actual Family Feud. Yeah. <laughs> you had Family Feud for real. That that should be the you should host that show. <laughs> it's like two participants on either side, and then you have to explain why the other people couldn't be there today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pee myself. That's so funny. Um, another throw around question is: Describe a, a school. This is one that I got from from Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird which is describe a school lunch you remember from childhood. Oh, a school lunch. Okay. My my dad used to make us lunch because I would be like, I want Lunchables. And my dad was like, 
it's like I'm not buying you Lunchables. Yeah. Which I was now I'm like that that was the right call. Um, but he would just make us like healthy like. It was never anything that was like too like out there. It was just like here's a solid healthy lunch, and then the weekends was like our junk food Friday. Mm. But like during the week, we had to like eat. So it'd be like you know carrots, like I don't know, like a turkey sandwich or like yeah. you know like applesauce or something. Like it was never like anything spectacular. It was just like this will give you enough energy to last throughout the day. And then like when I went to college, I was like. I was like waffle fries every day. <laughs> like I was like going ham. Yes. <laughs> I think that's part of the reason that the 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 sort of famous freshman fifteen happens and I and I gained mm-hmm. weight my freshman year. Cause like you just go to college, you go like, we can eat anything? We can <laughs> eat really? <laughs> anything? We can eat pizza for every meal at the dining hall? Every <laughs> meal? Like, I swear to God, in college, I, feel, I I think I had weeks where it was, like, seven days a week pizza. Yeah, of course. And why not? It's, like, chicken tenders. Like, I remember my friend Karen and I, we would go to Associated Supermarket, which is, like, truly, like, of course. kind of garbage. It's terrible. Uh, I'm familiar. And we would each get, so Intamin sold this, like, cinnamon roll that was like four in a in a box with all the icing and everything. We each buy one of those boxes, yeah. sit in front of our TVs and just watch Sex in the City. And like <laughs> that would be our meal for the night. And I'm like, if I did that now, I would have diarrhea in the morning. <laughs> oh we ate the whole box. <laughs> Stepping away from my conversation with Phoebe Robinson to send a shout-out to Rothy's. Let me tell you about Rothy's shoes. This is big news. Rothy's is now selling men's sneakers and men's loafers. You've probably heard uh, maybe your wife or your sister, your mother, your daughter, uh, your friends talk about their, their love of Rothy's women's shoes. Well, now they've brought their sustainable materials, washable design, innovative craftsmanship, to men's shoes, and uh, and I love them. I think they're super comfortable. They're uh, they're very fashionable. I'm as you know, I'm known for my fashion <laughs> and, and my comfort, my com- my comfortable sounding voice when I'm in comfortable shoes. They always say comfortable shoes are the key to a, a happy life. So uh, that's uh, that's all, that's what I have to say about Rothy's. To help you welcome the fall season in style, Rothy's is doing something special. They gave us the chance to share a super rare opportunity with listeners for a limited time. You can get $20 off your first purchase at rothys.com slash burbigs, R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash burbigs. And now, back to the show. So I'm working on bits, but uh, these are all work in progress things. That's that's what we do here on Working It Out. Um, I don't have many jokes for this, but it's just sort of, sort of something I'm trying to develop in my show right now, which is I think what's most defining about my personality is that I talk a lot. I talk when I when I have something to say. I talk when I don't have something to say. Some people think I talk too much. Those people are some of my closest friends. And friends. <laughs> I love that. But I don't think you talk too much. In real life, just socially? Yeah. 
I think you're you're so delightful to talk to. Like it's not too much. Oh, that's so nice. I like that bit. So where so where where do you want it to go next? I, I think what I'm gonna try to figure out is a lot of times I put these things on stage just to see like where mm-hmm. the laugh is, or like maybe it yeah. becomes something else, or maybe it becomes like like I try to think of it in in terms of like this is just a jumping off point, and then I'm gonna mm-hmm. go on stage and sort of see. Because I don't know about you, when you're working on bits, do you find you go like, oh, shit, that's a laugh. I didn't realize that was a laugh when you wrote it. Yeah. Yeah, usually I'll just do, like, a very short version of a joke. And if that gets a laugh, then, like, I'll go back and build onto it. And so yes, I'm thinking for your bit. I'm just thinking because my <clears throat> my niece is the same age as your your daughter, six, right? Yep. No, my niece. How old is my niece? Oh, my niece is seven. Oops. Um... But she's very much, like, when she was younger, she was super into me. And now she's very much not into me. Yeah. And she's in, she's into my boyfriend. She's always oh, like, where's interesting. Luke? Wow. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I see how things are. But she's, like, she'll FaceTime me and be like, hi, where's Luke? And I'll be like, <laughs> you called my phone. That's very funny. <laughs> and, and so I'm wondering if, like, does your daughter ever have a moment where she's just like, Dad, like, I don't want to hear it? Or is she very much, like, obsessed with you? Well, that's really interesting because w- what it makes me think of is, well, yeah, certainly, like, there are, there are moments where, like, she, she had a sleepover recently. And, like, my wife and I drove to pick her up. And then we, we see her and she's like, Mom! And like hug, like you know, I miss you. <laughs> and, then, and then like the mom at the thing was like, and there's your dad. <laughs> like it had to be like she had to be like prompted on it. And there's your dad too, you know. Like, and and then literally she didn't even hug me. She goes like, let me grab my bag. Like somehow like me somehow like me being there like made made her think of her bag. But then like I. I shouldn't. I shouldn't talk trash because we also like snuggle and we have great times and we laugh and laugh yeah. and laugh. And and also, by the way, this is a great prompt for me. Uh, what you're pointing out, which is, my daughter expresses herself through talking. She talks and talks and talks and talks. She and I have a lot in common. It, you know, like she'll talk and talk and talk. And Jen, my wife, will look at me and go, "Sound familiar?" <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's a tie in there. Yeah, that's. Re- oh my god, let me get my bag. Let me get my bag. That is so funny. Oh. And I want to be like, I hey, by that. the way, you know who's driving the car? Dad's driving the car. <laughs> you know who's in traffic for 45 minutes? That was Dad. You go get your bag. You go get your bag, and then we'll talk. We'll talk about this later or whatever. <laughs> All right, I got a few more jokes. Um, I got, um, I feel like Microsoft Word needs to stop assuming I'm creating a list. (laughs) I'm like, number one, it's like two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven. It's like, I'm like, A, it's like, B, C, D, 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 D. It's like an over it's like an overzealous intern. I feel like saying, "Hey Microsoft Word, why don't you take a walk, grab me a coffee, and I'll just write this document on my own." What I like about you is that you don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> the listing is so true and I'm like, 
why are you so prepared oh. for just lists? Like they Microsoft Word crashes all the time. Autosave yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. So many things about Microsoft Word do not work, but they are fucking prepared for a list. They are like, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Totally. It's like, yeah, it's almost, it's like just do the thing that you promised to do right. Yeah. <laughs> just save my documents. That's it. Just save just it. save the words. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like the friend who's like always ready to turn a night into like an event. And you're like, <laughs> I don't need this. I just want to chill. And it's like, but what if we got in a helicopter? <laughs> That's good. And you're that like, is... I, I don't want to what if this, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One word, helicopter. You're like, what? What, <laughs> what does that have to do with what we're doing? <laughs> We're going to a restaurant for a quiet evening. I'm just saying <laughs> helicopter. <laughs> and then I, I got this one, which is, this is something that'll probably be in a book or, or maybe in like a satire piece because it's like, it does, I don't know about you, you don't talk about politics that much on stage. And, but, right. but, yeah, yeah. but you, you know, you're, you're, I would say you're politically active like in your life mm-hmm. as a citizen. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm similar. I don't really talk about it on stage, but every now and yeah. then I'll jot something down. The other day I wrote down, Americans are bad roommates. They're like, I have a gun. <laughs> They're like, I have a gun. I'm like, are you going to lock it up? They're like, no. I'm like, I have a toddler. They're like, this is America. This is about freedom. Ever heard of it? I'm like, right, but we share the same space. They're like, socialist. I'm like, well, there are elements of socialism. We share toilet paper. We split the utilities. They're like, shut up. I'm like, actually, I think you should shut up. Because not that it matters, but I pay more rent than you do. I love that. (laughs) They leave dirty dishes in the sink. They freaking bring people back to the apartment at 3 a.m. for loud, mediocre sex. Like, there's a whole <laughs> lot you could do with that. I love that. We are bad roommates. We're bad roommates. Oh, my God. We're such terrible, particularly now. We're, like, worst roommates ever. It's horrible. It's yeah. horrible. That's that's really good. That's really good. You should keep building that because that's great. Yeah, I think maybe I'll maybe I'll try to write it as a sort of a, a satire piece and maybe submit it to the New Yorker or something because it's it does mm, feel like mm-hmm, I'm onto mm-hmm. something. But it, the moment that you bring America into anything, it's just like yeah. people going, "But it's not like America because of blah, blah. you know." And you're like, "All right, everyone relax. It's trying to make people laugh." <laughs> I know. And it's just like, you know, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be an American. But I'm like, I'm like, guys, we have to look at history. Yeah. And America has made some bad calls. Yeah, yeah. America's been a little reckless on the history of France. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like with the roommate thing. It's like, can we talk about how you didn't pay rent last year? It's like, <laughs> no, we're not going to. No, we're not going to talk about the past. Well, we're going to have to talk about the past a little bit. We don't, I don't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, something in that space. Ah, I love that. <laughs> this is kind of a thing, and this is a little bit about politics, but I just was like, so did you see, I texted my friend this, because I, you know that, um, <clears throat> that meme, that guy who holds up, like, the cardboard thing, and it has, like, different, yeah, like, signs on it? And so... 
Joe Biden like did a meme with him. And I was just like, what? I don't want my president doing memes. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Like, you need to fix the country. So I'm like, why are like, whenever, like, I get so mad. Did he when really I see, pose with the guy? Yes. The he real po- guy? And he posted, yes, yes. I get so mad when the president goes to the theater. I'm like. <laughs> yes. I got, mad, like, when, I got mad when Cuomo wrote the book. When Cole was writing <laughs> yes. the book, this is before, I think it was before we knew all about all the sexual harassment stuff. I was like, dude, should not be writing a book. I'm sorry. This, <laughs> yes. is, not the, this is the time for Phoebe Robinson to be finishing her book. Not the governor. <laughs> the hell's going on here? Yeah, or when they go to concerts and I'm just like, going to a concert takes so much time, like, you have to find parking. Yeah. You have to find snacks. You have to. Tr- I'm like you. You wasted seven hours that you could be fixing America because you want to see Coldplay. Like I get. I don't want my politicians having fun. Yeah, yeah. Politicians having fun is like when you text your friend and they don't text you back, and then they tweet about Cheez Its. <laughs> This is something I wrote the other day, which you, I thought feel like you'd relate to. It's just, um, I feel like the longer you live in New York, the more your standards change. When you move to New York, you're like, I hope I don't see a rat. And then a few years later, you're like, I hope a rat doesn't eat my face. <laughs> like it's literally like your standards become zero. It's so true. <laughs> I knew my standards had changed because, like, you know, you, like, order takeout, and then you find, like, there's, like, a hair in your food. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, my whole meal is ruined. And then, like, during COVID, like, I ordered, like, I don't forget what I ordered where I was eating. But I saw that there was, like, a hair in my food, and I was like, that's fine. I just picked it out. Yes. And I just kept eating. I was like, grow up. Everyone has to grow up. If there's yes. hair in your food, it's fine. And I was like, yes. that's insane. Yeah. It, yeah. If but, a hair, If a hair falls in your food and no one else sees it fall in your food, is it in your food? (laughs) (laughs) Is it even in your food? (laughs) I think about that all the time because it's like sometimes I'll see in our apartment we've had like all these crazy, honestly we've had like mold and cockroaches and all this stuff and you just go like, you see the cockroach and you just go like, there's gotta, he's got friends. You know, <laughs> you know, you know he's got a crew, and it's like, and you just have to block it out. You got to compartmentalize. Yeah. Is there anything else you're working on that's sort of like in your notebook right now? Oh, I'm trying. Uh, so my boyfriend and I have. Um, we started talking about getting married. Oh wow! And which is like exciting. You know, you've been together four years. I'm like. I'm like, there's no rush, like, you know. <laughs> okay. As long as I'm engaged by 40, I'll be fine. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't care. yeah. Um, and so, like, I want to do, like, a prenup for sure. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that totally makes sense. He was like, you make more than me, you should do a, a, a prenup. And, you know, sometimes when I tell people, they're like, it's, like, not romantic. Like, you're expecting your relationship to fall apart. And so my boyfriend's uh, white and British. And I so I want to be like, I don't know if you've noticed, but white men are historically petty. 
<laughs> That's very funny. So, like, I was like, I have to protect myself. And I'm trying to do this whole bit about the Boston Tea Party. And so I did a whole bunch of research about, like, how they dumped 92,000 pounds of tea worth $1.7 million into, like, the ocean. They did this in, like, November. And news didn't get back to London until January. I was like, do you know how petty you have to be to, like, do something like that where the payoff is, like, three months from now? (laughs) Like, that's, like... (laughs) (laughs) That's really funny. I think maybe the structural way to do it is, like... To, to withhold the petty line mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. after the tea party example. So mm-hmm. it's like so it's like, yeah. you know, I'm doing a prenup and my friend was like, Don't you think it's unromantic? And you're like, you're like, in 17, blah, 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 you know, the <laughs> they you know, these white people dumped, you know, this many yeah. gallons of uh, tea in the into the uh, harbor or whatever. And um Anyway, I'm writing. I'm doing a prenup. White people are petty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, That's great. I like that. Because okay. then you can cool, also cool. just be like, I'm just, I'm yeah. just speaking his language. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just getting along here. <laughs> I mean, it was a whole. They dressed up as indigenous people. I'm like, they had a costume budget. There was a lot of planning that oh went God. into this because they were mad at England. If they're going to do what? What was my boyfriend going to do to me? That's so funny. You know, I love that premise. <laughs> also, there's like a thing of like, of like, it's like black people in the history of America have suffered enough. If yeah. I get married and then I lose money in the divorce, that's one. <laughs> that is one bridge too far. I lose money to a white British yeah, guy. Yeah, I, lose- I fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, this was good. I was like, I don't think I have anything. It's just like stuff in my notes app where I just sort of like write stuff down and then like go back to like doing whatever. But this is okay, cool. This is great. I'm in love. I'm not insane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've been married how long? Phoebe, you can't put me on the spot on my own podcast like this. <laughs> this is very inappropriate. It's very. I ask the questions right now. You've been wa- married for a while. Okay. Since yeah, yeah. since yeah. since '08, so 13 years. Oh wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. We and and also like no one who we knew thought we were gonna be married more than like two months. <laughs> Like, we literally called. <laughs> we went to City Hall. We went to City Hall, and it's true. Went to City Hall, and we called Jen's parents and her, her father, her stepfather. And um, he goes, Oh, that's so funny. And then he hung up. He thought it was a joke. He literally hung, he hung up the phone. He goes, that's so funny. He goes, are your cats getting married too? And we go, yeah, they are. And then he hung up. They, uh, oh because God. we looked up whether cats could marry each other when we got married. <laughs> we had these two cats, Ivan and Miss Lucy, and we thought it would be funny if they got married to each other. 
<laughs> that is so funny that no one thought you guys were going to go the distance. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah, it's a huge thing. And by oh the way, God. if any cats are listening, get a prenup because those people, those <laughs> cats can be very, and I'm going to say it, catty. <laughs> and petty, like, yes. like, like white people. Um, <laughs> that joke is great. I think that joke is great. And Thank I think like you. I think it's like it's like I I, I think that that's gonna be a killer. I think it's gonna be. I think it could be a closer. I think we could be looking at a closer bit right there. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna spend time working on it because yeah, it just made me laugh, and I'm like, I don't. I love him, but I don't trust anyone all the way. You know. Well, the, okay. Here's an here's an idea too. Is like you do the thing. You go like. You can remember all those white people in Boston? They threw all the millions of gallons of tea in the in the water to prove to the British, blah blah blah. And, and you know, white people are petty. And then you can go, <laughs> you could go. So I'm giving this speech at our wedding. <laughs> yes. We close on a thing called Working It Out for a Cause, and basically it's any nonprofit that you like what they're doing, and I, I donate to them, and then I, I encourage the listeners to donate uh, through the link that we put in the notes. Okay, so I have a great organization that I work with from time to time. They're called Girls Right Now, and it's spelled W-R-I-T-E. And it's really cool because, you know, a lot of them, like, want to get into publishing or, like, want to be professional writers, and I like they just have, like, nurturing girls to write and follow their creative passion. So that's like one of my favorite organizations. I'm thrilled uh, to contribute to them. I'm going to link to them in the show notes. Phoebe, this is such a blast. I feel like I could, we could talk for 10 hours and, uh, and yeah. I would love it. So congrats on the book and the special and handling all of your multitasking. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> all right. I'll see you soon. Working it out. Cause it's not done Working it out Cause there's no That's gonna do it for another episode of Working It Out with Phoebe Robinson. Uh, Phoebe Robinson is so funny. You gotta get her book, Please Don't Sit on My Bed in Your Outside Clothes. Look out for her special on HBO Max this fall. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Kate Belinsky, sound recording by Cynthia Daniels, associate producer Mabel Lewis, special thanks to Mike Insiglieri, Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh F. Fall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. They have a great new album. As always, a special thanks to my wife, the poet J-Hope Stein, our book, which is a mix of comedy and poetry. Uh, uh, painfully true stories from a reluctant dad with poems by Jay Hope Stein is at your local bookstore. Perfect gift if you're doing some uh, early holiday shopping. As always, a special thanks to my daughter Una, who created a radio fort made of pillows. Thanks most of all to you who are listening and joining us on this this windy comedy journey. Tell your friends. Keep telling your enemies too. We're working it out. We'll see you next time, everybody. 